Good morning and welcome to Airline Baptist Church in Gainesville, Georgia. I wish you were here in the building with us, but we're honored that you're watching online today. If you're not a regular part of the airline family, do us a favor and kind of check in and let us know where you're watching from. If you have any prayer requests or any ways that we can minister to your family during this time, feel free to put that there. We're inching closer. We're inching closer to getting together. In fact, tonight, if you live in the Northeast Georgia area, at 6 p.m. right outside here in front of our cross where we have our sunrise service every year, we have an evening of worship, worship on the hill at 6 p.m. this Sunday night. That's tonight. I want you to be here. Bring your lounge chairs, your blankets, if you want to sit out there and social distance. And we understand some of you may not be comfortable doing that, so there'll be an area for you to park back behind there so you can still listen and participate in worship. Won't it be good to gather with our church family to lift up the name of Jesus? The church building will be locked, um, so there'll be no restroom facilities available, but the service will be an hour or less, probably less, so you'll be able to handle it for that long. Invite your friends. Come and be here. Give Get ready to worship. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day, the gift of a new day. Lord, even in a time of uncertainty like we're living in, thank you that we can have joy in our hearts because you are completely in control and you're seated on your throne. Thank you for a life of purpose when we know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our life. God, thank you for our musicians and our technical people, our audiovisual people. Thank you for all the people who come together to make these online services possible. God, I don't know why all these people are watching today. Some that are part of our church family, they're watching because that's what we do each Sunday. Others may have stumbled upon our channel today. God, for whatever their reason is, I pray, Holy Spirit of God, use your spirit and your word to speak to the hearts of people. I pray that those that don't yet have a personal relationship with your son Jesus, today be the day of their salvation. For the one that's discouraged and in need of encouragement and peace from your word, God, I pray you'd minister that for them today. We look forward to what you're going to do. We're going to give you all the glory for it because only you can change a life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let the King of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, is my song. Let the King of my heart be the shine.
Hey, church family, thank you so much for your faithfulness to honor the Lord with his tithes and your love gifts. You know, it's amazing. I'm hearing from other churches as well. At a time of such uncertainty, God's people are being faithful to give to the local church. And Airline Baptist family, you have done that. Frankly, I appreciate the vice president of the United States, a born-again believer. Almost every time I hear Vice President Pence speak, he encourages people to remember to give to their churches. So I just want to say thank you, Airline family, for doing that. For the rest of you, you ought to give and tithe to your local church family. If you don't have a church of your own, feel free to, to worship with, the, with us here in your tithes and offerings. You can do that by mailing to our physical address that you'll see on your screen right now. If you prefer to use text message, you can text the word Airline Baptist, that's no space in the middle, one word, Airline Baptist to 77977, or you can go on our website, airlinebaptist.org slash give. So thank you for your faithfulness to honor the Lord. The kingdom of God will be expanded and you'll be blessed by your faithfulness to honor him. Thanks so much. times I've questioned certain circumstances and things I could not understand. And many times in trials, weakness blurs my vision. That's when my frustration gets so out of hand. Oh, but it's then I am reminded that I've never been forsaken and I've never had to stand one test alone, no. Cause when I look at all my victories and the spirit rises up in me and it's through the fire, my weakness is made strong.
flesh. But if I trust the hand of God, I know he'll shield the flames you so much mandy choir and orchestra i love that song through the fire just hold on some of you feel like you're in the fire right now you may be sitting home unemployed because of the pandemic you're waiting to know when you can go back to work just hold on my god will show up and he will take you through the fire again again and again it's awesome to see our choir and orchestra i can't wait for the moment maybe this fall but at the soonest before we get to have them back with us again we pick back up in our study of Philippians today, and I read about the billionaire Howard Hughes. He was worth approximately $4 billion. And at one time, Howard Hughes said, I would give every bit of it away just to have one friend. What a sad statement for such a wealthy man to make. A lot of people think if you had a lot of money, you'd be blessed and have all that you need, but that's not the case. What is a friend anyway? A friend is somebody that steps in when the rest of the world steps out. A friend is somebody that will step in and catch you when you're on your way down. A friend is somebody that's there when the fun times are not. I know many of you were praying for our friends, the Duffield family down in Wanna Robbins who just buried their third-born son, a friend of my son. Janet Duffield, his mother, has been such a friend to my bride. Years ago, my wife had two different knee surgeries, and she set a record, actually, for Houston County. She had 100 sessions of physical therapy, the most at that time anybody had ever done. And Janet Duffield took her to most of those things. Janet would sit there and wait for Julie to finish therapy. There was nothing fun about that. Why did Janet do that? Because she was a friend to my wife and a friend to our family. 
It's been said that friendship doubles our joys and divides our griefs. And really, if there's anywhere that people ought to feel like they have a lot of friends, it's the church of the living God. It's one reason this quarantine has been so difficult for us, particularly in a loving church like Airline Baptist Church. We're a hugging church, an embracing church. You come here and people know you by name. You're greeted by multiple people. We're created for relationships. We're created for fellowship. But many times, even before the pandemic, you talk to people who say, I'm in church every week, but I just don't feel like I have a lot of friends. I don't feel like I know anybody. It's one reason we always push our life groups. We have a pretty big auditorium in here compared to, to some. But if you're not plugged into a life group, a small group Bible study, that's where life on life happens. That's where relationships are built. It's our life group that are usually the first ones to step in if there's a death in the family or when a baby is born. And so those are continuing in our Zoom groups. If you're not a part of one of those yet, contact us and we'll tell you how to get a hold of those. Some of you know I was a youth pastor for about 100 years and people always talked about teenagers and young people being cliquish and how bad cliques are. Listen, I defend cliques. I don't think there's anything wrong with cliques. We naturally gravitate to people that are more like us. But here's the key. Cliques ought to be U-shaped cliques where other people can come in and not O-shaped cliques that are exclusive. That's when cliques become a, prob become a problem. So in church, you ought to be, feel like you've got a lot of friends because in the house of God, we're not just friends, we're family. we got the same heavenly father, so that makes us family. So as we get back to our journey through the New Testament book of Philippians, in the passage we'll look at today, the apostle Paul is talking specifically about two different friends, Timothy and Epaphroditus. You will remember from a few weeks ago, Paul wrote this letter to encourage the church at Philippi because they'd been such a friend to him. They'd been such a blessing and encouragement to them. And really the theme of this whole book is joy and rejoicing. So we've called this series, Choose Joy. The, the concept of joy and rejoicing is mentioned by Paul no less than 16 times in this little book. What's interesting about that, the book of joy, you will remember the apostle Paul was in jail. He was in jail for being a proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you remember some of his testimony, he was Saul the persecutor. Saul the persecutor hated Christians. He hunted down and persecuted and killed Christians and threw them in prison, and he got, he got away with that. Then once he met Jesus on the Damascus Road, his whole life was changed, and his name was changed from Saul. Saul the persecutor became Paul the persuader. Now he's in prison for preaching the gospel. Rather than sit there and be all sad and depressed about it, Paul had joy even in the most difficult circumstances, and he wrote this book of Philippians to encourage us to do the same. Some of you have said, Pastor, we've been praying for you that you will keep on choosing joy. You know, we just buried my wife's dad. We just buried a good friend of the family. How do you have joy in a situation like that? Well, I can tell you for my father-in-law and for our friend Jonathan Duffield, I know where they are. Is it a sad time? Absolutely it's sad. When you love deeply, you grieve deeply, and you miss people, but we know where they are. And the separation is only temporary, so I'm going to continue to choose joy. Another way you can continue to choose joy is by having godly friends. When our mail came, we've got a stack of cards. When I came to the church office, a number of cards there from friends who are writing and sending cards to let us know how you've prayed for us. And I want you to know your prayers have carried us. Let's get to the text. Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bible, Philippians chapter 2. We'll start reading in verse number 19. If the Lord Jesus is willing, Paul says, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you're getting along. Listen to this. He says, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. 
All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy's proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has served with me in preaching the good news. God, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that the power of your word is no less today on May the 17th, 2020, than it was when Paul penned these words from a jail cell to the church at Philippi. Thank you that it's inspired. It's God's personal expression through his word to us. So use your word today to challenge and encourage our hearts. And God, I want to thank you for friends. Thank you for the godly friends you've placed in my life to encourage me and to help me to choose joy even in the most difficult times of life. Speak to hearts now is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I told you Howard Hughes said he'd give $4 billion to have one really good friend. You know, real friends are rare these days. You know, you may think you've got 5,000 Facebook friends. I I recently learned there's a limit of 5,000 friends. I met my limit on Facebook friends, so I had to go back and delete some that I don't really communicate with to make room for some new friendships that I made. But are those true friendships? I mean, a lot of those people I may have met just once in my travels when I was a traveling evangelist or people from many years ago. It's a good way to share prayer requests and keep in touch. But a true friend is more than just an online friend. A true friend is more than just an Instagram follower. So it's been said, if you've got just a handful of friends through life that you can count on in all of life's situations, you are most blessed. So if you choose your friends wisely, it'll help your joy. If you choose your friends poorly, that will take away from the joy that God wants you to have. Write this down, if you will. Number one, God expects us to genuinely care for others. God expects us to genuinely care for others. Look again at verse number 20. Paul says to the church at Philippi, and writing under the inspiration of Holy Spirit to us today, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. You ever heard the phrase, a fair-weather friend? A fair-weather friend is somebody that's there when it's convenient for them. A fair-weather friend is somebody who's there if they can get something for you. But when the going gets tough, they check out on you. The, The reality is that love increases with knowledge. On June the 18th, 1988, in the Hobson Auditorium of the First Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, I expressed my love publicly to Julie Whittison, who became Julie Whittison Dura. And I thought I loved her then. And let me tell you, I did love her then. But I want you to know now, 30-something years later, I love her even more because love increases with knowledge. So he's talking about having a two-way friendship, not a one-way friendship. A one-sided friendship is kind of like this. I heard about two guys that were out hunting, and one of them looked up and yelled. He saw a grizzly bear that was coming towards them, and the dude started to put his tennis shoes on. The other guy said, what in the world are you doing? You can't outrun a grizzly bear. He looked at his friend and said, I don't have to outrun the grizzly bear. I just have to outrun you. He was looking out for number one. Sunday school teacher asked a little boy, what's a friend? And the little boy said, a friend is somebody that knows all about you, and they love you just the same. They love you just the same. Recently during this quarantine, obviously we've all been at home more, and I was painting some trim on, on my back deck there. I had on a little pair of shorts. I wouldn't be caught dead in public wearing. And um, some friends of ours, Kirk and Sheila Adams, messaged me. They're going to drop something off on our front porch. And I thought, man, they're such good friends. How sweet is that of them? And my wife had just gotten the phone call inside from her mom about her dad, that his time was running out. So she's inside on the phone with her mama crying. I'm outside painting looking like a throwaway bum. And then Sheila Adams sends me this terrifying text. We're in your driveway. 
I look like a, listen, those shorts that sh should be against the law to wear in public. But I said, what do I do? They're in my driveway. My wife's upset. I grabbed the first shirt I could find. I throw on a shirt. I go out there looking like a throwaway. They told Colton, their little grandson, tell the preacher, hey. That little boy looked at me like he'd seen somebody from the night of the living dead or something. He didn't know who I was. I was when I went back inside and looked at myself in the mirror, I was humiliated. I was a mismatched, throw-it-away looking preacher. And I texted them and apologized. And, they, and Sheila said this. She said, it just shows us that everybody's real. That's a friend. They don't care what I look like. They didn't judge me for wearing shorts. I was in my own backyard. But it is what it is. Thank God for real friends. True friends care about their friends spiritually. True friends friends care about the opinion of the Lord Jesus Christ according to verse 21. And how is that expressed? Letter A, write this down. True friends will pray for one another. Write that word down, prayer. If you have been with us for every, uh, every message in this series, Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Paul said to the church at Philippi, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. Do you pray for your friends? Do you thank God for your friends? Listen, more than just pray for your friends, do you pray with your friends? There's, a, there's a, a certain intimacy, if you will, when we pray for one another and we hear somebody else praying for us and they hear us talking to the Father about them. Prayer is a huge part of that. The second thing I want you to write down is the word accountability. Accountability. The book of Proverbs speaks to this. Proverbs 27 and verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds from a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. And verse 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. That accountability, a group of about 20 of us men in our church, we just completed a 31-day journey through the book of Proverbs, looking at a different proverb every morning. We got up before 6 o'clock so we could do some physical activity or exercise before 6, and then at 6 o'clock we dove into the Word together. And most of us who were honest, and listen, I'm a morning person. My most productive time is in the morning. But during this time of pandemic, I'd gotten away from that. My wife didn't have to get up and go to work as early. She still worked from home, but she didn't have to get up early enough to do makeup and hair and all that stuff that women have to do. So we were up later at night. So, dude, it was hard to be up that time of morning. But we, all the men said it was a tough thing to do, but how blessed we were by that. How blessed we were by that accountability. I knew if I didn't get on, there were going to be men that were going to judge me because I didn't get up and get on. In fact, that 31-day challenge ended yesterday. We're recording this on Thursday. This morning, I confess, I was awake a little bit before 6, but I didn't get out of bed to about 6.20. I still exercise and I got in the Word, but it was nice just to get that little extra bit of rest. And so, men, if you're wondering, I still got up, I still got in the Word, I still exercise. That accountability, in case somebody asks me, I want to keep on doing that. And sometimes loyalty and friendship has to express itself in rejection. So what do you mean by that, preacher? Sometimes you got to remove yourself from a situation. If it's a bad situation, if somebody's gone AWOL on God and you've prayed for them and you've appealed to them to come back into right fellowship with the Lord and they don't do that, sometimes we have to separate ourselves from them. Listen, I know we live in a touchy-feely, your best life now kind of world, but the Apostle Paul didn't have a bit of trouble calling somebody out in their sin. He would just call them out in that. We see that in other books of the Bible. I think about the time that 
I started to wander as a, as a high school student. I wasn't saved until I was a freshman, but about my junior year, I started to, to backslide, to slip away from the Lord gradually. You know, just don't wake up and decide to be a, a drunk one day. It's a gradual process. And I remember back to that, how judgmental I was when I first got saved, to professing believers that were not living for Jesus. I thought, how in the world can you do that? How do you taste and see that the Lord is good? And just to make a long story very short, in time, I started to gradually backslide. And I don't blame anybody for my sin. Every sin Mike ever committed, Mike chose that. You choose your sin too. Nobody makes us sin. But what I remember, again, I'm not putting down my friends. I'm just telling you, this is the way it was. You know what I got from them? You're a heathen. You're a drunk. You know better. And all of that's true, and I'm not blaming them for that. But my passion when somebody's struggling and hurting because of what I went through, I want to come alongside beside them and say, listen, you know better than this. How can I help you? How can we make you choose to make wise choices? But Matthew chapter 18, I don't have time to preach all that right now, is very specific when a brother or sister is caught in sin, how to confront them. And if they don't repent, ultimately, we're to separate ourselves from them if that's what we have to do. God expects us to genuinely care for others. And if I just go on like there's no big deal with their sin, I don't really care enough about them. Number two, write this down. God expects our relationships to grow over time. God expects our relationships to grow over time. I got ahead of myself earlier and kind of said that already, but in verse 22 of chapter 2, Paul says, you know how Timothy has proved himself. True friendship is proven over time. You can meet somebody for the first time and feel like you have an instant connection, but time will tell. Time will tell how you do life with somebody over time and you move away like we've, we've moved from uh, Virginia to Warner Robins and we were there 19 years and now here. And when we go back home, when we go, not home, but to Warner Robins that was our home for that long, we can pick up with friends like the Duffields and others right where we left off because we've done life together. And in fact, we've kept in touch over all those years. Paul had led Timothy to faith in Jesus Christ and he helped disciple him. He watched him grow and mature. Sure, he'd proven over time what a true friendship is. Time will tell who your real friends are. Write this down, number three. God expects us to work together for his glory. God expects us to work together for his glory. A one-sided friendship of somebody that's out to get what I can get. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about his glory. And so true friends, godly friends, will work together to make Jesus look good. Even the ministry that we do, Jesus said, let them see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven, not to glorify us or our church, but Jesus. Look at the second half of verse 22. Paul said, like a son with his father, he served with me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what's going to happen to me here. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, a co-worker, and a fellow soldier, and he was your messenger to help me in time of need. You see, Timothy and Epaphroditus were students of the Apostle Paul. We've always called those our preacher boys. I got preacher boys now in their, in their 40s. And man, because God let me invest in their life, because Jesus gave me the privilege to lead some of them to faith in Jesus, it's awesome to see them. We were at that visitation for Jonathan Duffield, one of my preacher boys. Jacob, um, Jacob Green came along, and I got to fellowship with him. Didn't hug him because of social distancing, but he's the pastor at Shirley Hills there in Warner Robins. They're expecting their second child. It's just the joy of a friendship when you've done life together, when you've grown spiritually together. Nobody can do everything. Nobody can do everything, so we use the acronym for team, T-E-A-M. Together, 
everyone achieves more. Together, everyone achieves more. This is illustrated for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 18 when God talks about the body of Christ. But our bodies, our physical bodies, have many parts, and God's put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important, they're actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts don't require this special care. Here's the deal. So God has put the body together such that the extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If you don't believe me, get up in the dark in the middle of the night and stump your big toe. Your whole body's going to feel that. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Just as a body is made up of different parts, the body of Christ is made up of different parts. Different believers with different gifts, different spiritual gifts, and different abilities working together to bring honor and glory to the Lord. And when we pull in opposite directions, we impede progress. We impede our testimony, and it delights no one but the devil when the body of Christ works against each other. Number four, write this down. God expects us to show honor to one another. God expects us to show honor to one another. Look at verse number 26. Paul said, I'm sending him, Paphroditus, because he's been longing to see you. He was very distressed that you heard he was ill, and he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me so that I would not have one sorrow after another. So I'm all the more anxious to send him back to you, for I know you'll be glad to see him, and then I'll not be so worried about you. Welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy, there's another instance of joy, and give him the honor that people like him deserve. You see, Epaphroditus had been really sick almost unto death, apparently, from the text here. He'd been that sick, and he wanted to go to the people and let them see that God had answered their prayers and God had brought healing to his body. And then Paul says this, when he does, give him the honor that he deserves. Those who labor among the Lord are, are worthy of honor. Listen, I know, I know how sacrificially our church staff works. I mean, you normally you see me and Pastor Mike Welburn up here, but I know how faithfully all of our staff works. And the scripture says, give honor to whom honor is due. So part of my job as pastor to look out for my staff and to make sure that they're being taken care of because they serve and they labor sacrificially because they love Jesus and because they love our church family. You see, godly friends also, godly friends are not two-faced. You know what two-faced is? They say one thing to your face and something else behind your back. I've had people like that in my life, and so have you. All of us probably have. You know what the Bible says? When somebody will be nice to your face and they talk about you behind your back, what's funny as a pastor is normally it gets back to me. People can't wait to come and tell me that somebody don't like me and the bad things they say about me. I just do what the Bible says. Romans 16, verses 17 and 18 says, you better mark them and you better avoid them. I pray for them, I love them at a distance, but I don't trust them any further than I could throw them because they violate the Scripture, and the Scripture says, mark those troublemakers and avoid them. The late Francis Schaeffer used to say, our relationships with each other are the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. I am convinced, Schaefer says, that in an increasingly skeptical world, the clearest defense for Christianity is a church that loves each other with radical care. They will know that we are Christians by our what? 
by our love. Write this down, number five. God expects us to sacrifice for one another. God expects us to sacrifice for one another. Look at verse 30. Paul says, he risked his life for the work of Christ, and he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. You ever sacrifice for a friend? It's easy to say, love you, bro. Just tell somebody you love them. But true love expresses itself in many different ways. I had a phone call from the Callahan family a week or so ago, and they knew that I had this funeral in Warner Robins. And so Sherry called me, and she said, funeral's in Warner Robins, right? And I said, yeah. She said, is it on Saturday? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, hope you don't mind, but I took it upon myself to call a hotel in Warner Robins. I told them that my pastor is immune compromised. I want him to have a room that nobody's been in during this pandemic. And I want there to be a little kitchen there so he doesn't have to go out to eat. And she said, I tried to argue her. She said, Mike, God put it in our heart and we have to do it. That call, I saw the bill, I know what that cost him. But that's a friend who cares about the welfare of somebody else. Because I was out of town for two funeral services and I was just about to cut my grass when we got the phone call about my father-in-law. I had to call and find someone to cut my grass. And, and Luke England, an East Hall student, has just started a lawn care business. If you need somebody, call up Luke England. He does a great job. It was great to pull into my yard late Monday night and see it had been cut and it had been edged. And I told him I'd just pay him online through Cash App or whatever. And when I, I had to message him twice to say, dude, how much do I owe you? I want to get you paid off. And he said, it's my gift to you. And I said, Luke, the Bible says the laborer is worthy of his hire. He said, no, I want to do this for you. So if you need somebody, you can count on Luke England as a fine young man to call. He'll do a good job. We said life groups. When somebody has surgery, when somebody has a child, it's their life group that comes along and loves them and ministers to them. Because as I said earlier, we're not just friends, we're also family. A true friend will watch your back. If somebody's out to get you, somebody's talking about you behind your back, a true friend, friend will not receive that, but they will come to you and let you know, and they'll rebuke the other person. Here's something else a true friend will do. A true friend is willing to risk the sacrifice of embarrassment and rejection to tell you about Jesus. If somebody's lost and on their way to hell, and somebody claims to be their friend, and you say, well, I don't want them to get mad at me, what matters? What matters after our heart's taken its final beat other than do we know Jesus as the Lord of our life? A true friend will risk that embarrassment to share with you how you can be saved. We've said before, what kind of hog, what kind of selfish person would you be if you had the cure for cancer and didn't share that with those who needed it? Some of you remember from several years ago in the NFL, Richie Incognito and Jonathan Martin, they had every reason as NFL teammates on the Miami Dolphins to be great friends. But you know, you remember the story, they were not. Incognito harassed and bullied Martin. He even called him and left him a voicemail using a filthy racial slur that was played on just about every media outlet all over. We heard that. He even threatened to kill the dude's family. Then when he got collared about it, he said, well, it's just locker room talk. It's what guys do in the locker room. I don't really mean that. Well, we know better. That's not ever acceptable for any reason. You know what happened? Martin, finally, he left his lucrative job as a well-paid NFL player, and he said he was tired of being harassed, and he feared for his life and for that of his family. Those two guys had more things in common than many people in life have in common. They had every reason to be good friends, but for whatever reason, they didn't. What are some of the things those guys had in common? Well, they were both athletes. They were both NFL football players. They both played for the Dolphins. They had the same coach. 
They were both offensive linemen. They both played on the same side of the line. They both were starters. They both were millionaires. They both wanted to win. They were both big dudes, but yet they didn't get along. Something had come in and turned that relationship toxic, even with so much in common. Ladies and gentlemen, why is it that we and the family of God sometimes do not get along? When you hear about churches split, churches run off their preacher because they didn't like him, or preachers don't like their church, and all this squabbling goes on, and we shouldn't be shocked when we invite people to come to church, and they hear about the squabbles that go on. Listen, we're on the same team, Christian. We have the same Heavenly Father. we got the same head coach cheering us on from the grandstands there. we got the same Savior who scouted us and saved us and adopted us into his family. We got the same Holy Spirit living inside of us. We got the same playbook. We've got the same purposes from the Word of God. And we're going to the same place when we die forever and forever. So, ladies and gentlemen, in the church of the living God, we of all people should demonstrate the love of true and godly friendships. And you never know. You never know how just one word or just one gesture can change somebody's life forever for better or for worse. If you have a copy of your outline, look now at your conclusion, if you will. Look at number one. Are you the kind of friend that Paul described in these verses? Are you the kind of friend that Paul described in these verses? Oftentimes we get selfish and we want to think, why don't I have friends like that? Well, in order to have godly friends, you got to be a godly friend. Are we being this kind of friend to other people? Number two, write this down. Are you a spiritual catalyst to your friends? A catalyst is something that accelerates change spiritually. Are you a spiritual catalyst to your, to your friends? Or are you dragging them down? Are they a spiritual catalyst to you? Do they make you more like Jesus when you hang out with them? Here's an important question, number three. Is Jesus pleased with your relationships? Is Jesus pleased with your close relationships? Now we know that Jesus was a friend of sinners. We know that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, but his close circle was only 12 disciples. One of them was a phony. And even among the 12, he had guys that he was closer to than others. So Listen, he was friends with everybody. We should love everybody, pray for everybody. But those that I allow to influence my life in that small circle ought to be people that help make me more like Jesus and allow me to help them grow spiritually as well. Number four, finally, write this down. Will you love God enough and you love others enough to share the gospel with them? Will you love God enough and love others enough to share the good news of the gospel with them? Because as I said earlier, what else matters? What else matters a thousand years from today is do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? So what do I mean when I talk about sharing the gospel? Well, the gospel, according to 1 Corinthians 15, is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for my sins. For my sins. God knew that we were imperfect and unholy and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God knew we'd need a Savior. We can't possibly save ourselves. The Old Testament clearly specified that it was going to take a sinless, spotless lamb. Those Old Testament sacrifices had to be spotless. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life for 33 years. He never, ever sinned, which uniquely qualified him to be the Savior of the world. He didn't have an earthly daddy. The Holy Spirit of God... Um, came upon his mom and allowed her to give birth to him. He was perfect. He, for 33 years, he lived a perfect life. What did they do? They crucified him on an old rugged cross. You say, how unfair of that. How unfair did they do that to him? 
They didn't murder him. Jesus willingly laid down his life. He knew that Mike Durr would never make it to heaven. He knew that Mike Durr would mess it up every single time. But Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for me. He was my substitute. Should have been me on that cross. They laid him in a borrowed tomb, and three days later, he came back to life. And y'all, he is alive and well today. You say, we're in a world of chaos and pandemic and record unemployment, and people are starving, and Jesus is still Lord. Jesus is still on the throne, so much so that he wants you to choose joy even during this time. You can't do that if you don't have a relationship with him. It's as easy as A, B, C. The letter A is admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you've messed up. God's perfect and we're not. B is believe. Believe in your heart that Jesus was the Son of God who willingly gave his life for our sins. He was buried and rose again on the third day. You really believe that? You really believe that Jesus and Jesus alone can save you from your sins? Believe in your heart. But then letter C is commit. You've got to commit to live your life for him. I'm not trying to earn my way to God. That's impossible. If I could earn my way to God, there's no reason for Jesus to die. But I commit to live my life for him because of what he's done for me. Because I ought to be in hell and I'm not. So I commit to live my life for him. The evidence of repentance is a changed life. Just saying some words, filling out a card, or going through a baptismal pool does not make you a Christian. The evidence of repentance is a changed life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, When you're saved, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. As we talk about godly relationships and friendships, my, my mind was taken back this morning to an old, old hymn that was written in 1855 by Joseph Scriven. You'll recognize the hymn. It says, What a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. There's no friend like Jesus. Down in the next verse it says, Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Listen, there's no need to worry. We're concerned about things, but we take it to the Lord in prayer. The Bible says Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I know Jonathan Duffield's brother Nathan wrote last week. Uh, he said, people say, I love you like a brother. He said, they don't know what they're talking about. He and, he and Jonathan were closest in age, and they had a bond and a love like nobody else. If you have a sibling that you're close to like that, listen, Jesus sticks even closer than that. Siblings can't die for one another's sins. Only Jesus can do that. So if you're troubled, if you're burdened with a, a load of care, why don't we just take it to the Lord in prayer? Pray with me right now, if you will. Listen, if you don't know Jesus as the Lord of your life, the first prayer you need to pray is the prayer of repentance and salvation. Right now, if you're unsure if you died today, you'd go to heaven. Just say, God, I know I'm not perfect. I believe Jesus did live a perfect life. If you want to be saved today, you pray something like that from your heart. You really believe Jesus died on a cross for your sins in your place? If you do, tell God you believe that. You really believe that after they laid him in that borrowed tomb, by his own power of his own accord, he resurrected himself three days later, and he's alive today? You really believe that? Say, oh, God, I believe that. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to adopt you into his family. Ask him to transform your life today. If you did that 
on the authority of the word of God. If that's what you meant in your heart, I'm not talking about some babbling repetition of the words of a preacher, but if that was the desire of your heart on the authority of the word of God, you're a child of God and there's a party being held in heaven right now. The Bible says the angels rejoice when one person does that. Maybe you say, Mike, I know I've been saved and I'm a believer, but you know, haven't been able to go to church during this pandemic and I've gotten in some stuff I ought not to do. Haven't been reading my Bible like I ought to. I've gotten out of fellowship with other believers. Listen, God still allows U-turns. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If you've gotten away from the Lord, ask him to restore you right and ask him to forgive you and restore you and he'll do it every single time. Father, hear our prayers this morning. Not because we're worthy, but because Jesus paid it all. And he made it possible for us to know you and to walk in fellowship with you. Help us to obey you and help us to point other people to you and be the godly friends that you want us to be. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, if you just prayed something like that from your heart for the very first time and you meant it, the angels in heaven are parting, they're applauding you, and we at Airline, we want to rejoice with you. That's just the first step. The next part is growing in your faith. Maybe you say, I don't even have a Bible. Hey, write to us, email us, give us a call. We'll put a Bible in the mail to you. We want to help you get started right because this is the reality. We're your family now. we got the same Heavenly Father. You just message us or put it there on the screen. Let us know how we can help you. Maybe you just recommitted your life to the Lordship of Christ. You know you're saved. You've gotten away from Him. Message us and let us know how we can pray for you and encourage you. Hey, every Sunday is one Sunday closer to let's fill in this building back up. Don't forget tonight at 6 p.m. right out here on this hill at the cross, a night of worship with our church family. Our first time back together. We hosted the Lefebvre concert recently, but had people from all around. This is our church family. Not that you can't invite other people. Invite people to come if you want to, but this is our first official gathering as a church family we've had in months. It's going to be an awesome night. Can't wait to see you tonight. Reach out to somebody this week. Let them know how much Jesus loves them. Let them know you love them. Call up some church members and encourage them. Let's always make sure that we shine for Jesus because he's worthy. God bless you. Y'all have a great day.